have an hour and a half, right? Is that okay? Okay. Oh, man. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Boom. Let's unlock that iPad, ready to roll. Hey, listen, uh, it's a pleasure and an honor to be here. Um, like Lyle said, uh, I've lived here for about maybe five, six months now, and um, it's been an absolute joy. I am transplanted from Los Angeles, and... Um, it feels, uh, feels like home out here. I will tell you, the only thing that I do miss is the ocean. Yeah. Outside of that, you know, huge part. Uh, that, you know, Nashville is incredible. It's incredible. Um, so, quick story. My glasses, um, I think I like rubbed, I don't know how this happened, but I think someone rubbed them against like the floor. And like, all the film is, not all the film, but like I can see like speckles everywhere. <laughs> So I'm going to go ahead and like make that seem like this is the Holy Spirit kind of like doing its thing right over you guys. But so if I squint, you know, because I'm trying to see you or something like that, that, you know, now you know that it's because I kind of can't see there a little bit. Is that all right? Yeah. Cool. Hey, listen, um, just a little bit about myself. I am uh, a second generation pastor. I was pastoring in Southern California for about three years after BSSM, uh, Bethel School of Ministry, Supernatural School of Ministry. Depending on who you are, I kind of omit that part. I'm just like, um, you don't look like you're going to take that well. Um, I, I went to school of ministry, not supernatural. And the people who are like, kind of like a little bit funky, I'm just like, okay, supernatural. They're like, what? I'm like, hey, listen, let's ha have a conversation. Let's have some coffee. I'll tell you all about Hogwarts. Just kidding. Um, but uh, it's, it's a great conversation starter. Um, but it, it, yeah, it's, it's a blast. Uh, but anyway, now I have the privilege of um, speaking with you guys, and Lyle and Allie have generously and so kindly opened up their uh, home and their church, not theirs, but the Holy Spirit, right, uh, to me, and they've trusted me, folks. I don't know what the heck they're doing, because it's about to get crazy in here. Just kidding. Thanks. Thanks. Seriously, you guys have an incredible, incredible family. I have encountered nothing but love and uh, generosity and just like ultimate compassion, uh, from all of you. So thank you so much. And you've welcomed me and I felt honestly at home. And I'm sure if this is your first time, listen, first thing to you is you belong here before you even believe what we believe. You know, like you don't even have to agree with us, but let's just hang out. Let's call ourselves family and let's, uh, let's do this thing together and journey on to who God is and what I think he can do in our lives. Amen. Is that all right? Cool. Awesome. Well, listen, I have a, a, a a message that's going to last about 35 minutes. I'm going to try my absolute best. Is that okay? Okay. Wonderful. So uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 6, verse 31 and 32. Just going to give you some context here. Uh, Matthew, sorry, not Matthew, excuse me. Uh, it should have been John chapter 6. Let me double check that. That one time where you have the wrong verse off the bat. Good way to start, Asif. <laughs> Thanks. It's actually John chapter 8, verse 31. <laughs> Bless the Lamb. Thanks for being here, Jesus. <laughs> so, uh, just a quick context for you. Um, Jesus is uh, talking to basically all of Israel at the time in Galilee and Judea, and he's rustling up some feathers. My man, first of all, he is my favorite person that ever lived, obviously, for obvious reasons, because he's a savior and all that other good stuff. But he, I feel like his personality and his character and what he came to do on the earth is by far the most interesting thing ever. Here we have this institutionalized religion who is basically governing over the lives of the people. And at this point, when Jesus was living, the Jews were under hundreds of laws that you had to do a certain thing, you had to eat a certain way. And still to this day, you, you know, if, if you have a Jewish background or you know people who are Jewish, they have certain things that they actually abide by constantly. And what it does is it, for them, it, it actually has uh, to do with God's rules and laws that basically allow them to live a pure and um, whole life. Ultimately, what Jesus came to destroy and fulfill all at the same time. Anyway, all that to say, they were living in this uh, significant um, 
maybe strain, if you will. They had a very rigid way of doing things. And Jesus says, oh, listen, we'll keep the Sabbath. That means, you know, you have something called the Sabbath that they rest all day and they don't really do anything um, just to, to um, emphasize rest. And Jesus comes in and says, hey, well, I'm going to go heal the sick. I'm going to go do that. And so they're ba- he's basically disrupting their entire system of how they did things. And these people are constantly, constantly getting interrupted they're getting uh, shaken from their core. The very foundation of their religion is getting swept up from under them by this man, Jesus, who's telling them that, hey, there is a better way to do life, and that's through relationship. And so these people, however, they're not like, oh, my gosh, yes, like, you know, being romanticized by Jesus. Jesus is coming in strong. And he, sometimes, let me tell you a little bit something about Jesus. He comes in and offends the mind to reveal the heart. And so he'll actually begin to, like, offend you. Like, that doesn't make sense, but actually there's so much heart behind what Jesus is doing that uh, it actually causes to, if we have enough courage to stop and be like, ah, oh, that actually makes more sense. And so this is what Jesus is doing on a large scale. These, the, the Jews are, are kind of being frustrated. And at this point, Jesus is talking and they're already picking up stones ready to throw at him because they want to kill him. They want to find a way to crucify him. They want to find a way to destroy this guy because he's really bringing down the institution of religion right before their very eyes. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So let's read that this Short two uh, verses with that in mind. Here we go. Ready? John chapter 8, verse 31. And it says this. Let's go. iPad. (laughs) Jesus said to the people who believed him, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. How many times have we heard that? Tons of times. I'm going to read it one more time just to get us in that right frame of mind. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Amen? Amen. Let's pray for a second. Jesus, thanks so much, God, because you're here before we even got here. And ultimately, Lord, you're closer than our very, than our very skin, Jesus. And, and, and you actually have a plan and a purpose for us, every single person that's in here. Jesus, I pray that beyond all things, God, that we might feel like family and that we see you just a little bit clear. And that is our prayer, ultimately, God. And, and uh, Father, I thank you so much that you're good and you're faithful and um, you have something special for us today. In your son's incredible name, amen. 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 Come on, just getting text messages from a bunch of my friends that are, you know, bothering. Here we go. Let's put that on Do Not Disturb. Hey, listen, so just really quick, I came here about six months ago, and the first thing that I did, the first vision or the first dream that I had coming in here was, I want to do real estate. I'm going to do it. There's like, there's houses going up everywhere. Some of you in here might uh, do real estate already. I know a friend of mine and another two that are are in here already that do real estate. But my mind was like, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to do some real estate. And so the first thing I did was like, okay, well, I'm going to sign up for a class. Uh, I was a little frustrated because I got in like just in the, like just as I missed like the first entry. I was a little bit frustrated, but then ultimately I was like, okay, well, I'm going to get into the next class. And so finally I signed up. Lo and behold, I'm like, ah, I actually didn't finish university. I ended up dropping out because I'm like, ah, I really don't want to pay anybody to um, teach me things. And I can learn them myself. YouTube, Google University. Um, made the transfer file, paperwork. It all worked out. Very smooth transition. Um, so I actually went, uh, I went to the school. And lo and behold, I think it's about over 200 or 300 words that you have to learn within a, like a a one to two week period. Um, and I'm like going through this thing We're this is, you know, this course, this textbook is about this thick and we're literally flying by. I have taken like online courses and if you have, like it's probably one of the worst things ever, right? Because you're at your own pace and you're flying through things and you have to get things going. Anyway, this is worse. So don't do real estate. Just kidding. Do real estate if God calls you to it. Um, <laughs> So I'm going through this page, through these, this textbook, and ultimately I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so overwhelming. And at some point I go after the class and I talk to my instructor, which is this sweet Southern lady. By the way, I love the Southern accent. It's incredible. It's fantastic. I love you all. Kisses. Um, so this lady is the sweetest lady ever. And so I'm like, hey, um, do you guys usually go this fast? They're like, how do you mean, sweetheart? And I'm like, hmm. 
that was very non-Southern, but that's what she said. Sorry, what I meant, the accent was not Southern, but obviously the sweetheart part is because, you know, you guys are sweet. Um, and so she was like, well, no, like this is actually how fast, it is fast, like don't worry about it, just, you know, try your best, um, you're going to, sh- you're going to do just fine, just practice, just go through your words, and I'm like, cool. At the end of the day, I realized I had like, I think over 200, over 300 words, terminology that I had to take a test for, and ultimately you had a federal and a state exam, all those who aren't, you know, in real estate say amen, because you know. But, um, and so I'm trying to figure out, and I got to this point where I'm like, there is so much material here. We're talking about some legal stuff. We're talking about how to measure things. We're talking about just random terminology that I've never been accustomed to or whatsoever. I'm thinking, okay, I have to make a decision here. The first thing is either I study to pass this test or I study to actually learn what I'm actually learning, what I was actually in this textbook. And I'm in the crossroads of this, you know, life-altering choice decision. I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to just pass this test. And so I take all the, te- I'll take all the, um, the terminology. I get flashcards. I write everything down. I do the whole flip thing. And I felt like I was back in school. It was awesome. Um, and I failed the first time and I passed the second time. And I realized I go back and even now, um, I go back and I try to like read through some of that stuff. And I'm like, I do not remember pretty much like 90% of this stuff. And I feel like most I've talked to a friend of mine who have said the same thing. He's like, dude, you won't even use many of those things, if not all of it. And so the funny thing is I go back and I'm like, that's so hilarious that they give you this huge textbook. You pay a certain amount of money and you have to learn all this stuff, but you really don't learn it to actually learn and acquire knowledge and be able to apply it in your real estate career. You actually gain the knowledge to just pass a test. Ultimately, I find that as a church and as maybe the body of Christ, sometimes we fall victim to the same exact thing. Sometimes we learn a bunch of things and we say amen to a bunch of quotes and one-liners. We write them down in journals. And ultimately, sometimes we actually don't allow that truth or allow words or information to actually settle into our hearts and actually begin to grow something and, and allow our heart to become a nest of such of sorts, and and us to grow in health and in power and in passion and in purity. And so I found, I'm like, man, I was thinking, I was studying through this week, and I was like, for some reason I have this ache in my heart to, to be able to express how we need to engage the Word of God and how we need to engage what we see and what we learn from, say, our pastors or, say, from anything that God is speaking to us as truth. Amen? Is that okay? One thing that, this, that I'm going to just tell you straight up, the, the louder you are, the better I preach. No lie. I promise you. Seriously. The better, I'm just like, oh my gosh. Yeah, the people are liking it. So you can actually fool me to actually get a better, like, better reward for you guys. So I just want to throw that out there for you. Um, come on. Thanks, Jesus, all to you. Um, hey, listen, so... What I wanted to talk about this morning is how we engage the truth. And Jesus talks specifically in John 8 about knowing truth and the truth shall set you free. Now, the precursor to that in the verse before that, in verse 31, it says, if you abide by my truth, if you abide by my teachings, then you will be my disciples. And then you will know the truth and the truth shall set you free. I remember early on, I used to think, the truth is going to set us free from what exactly? And I thought, man, I was like, I think I was like a kid. I was like 15 or 16 years old. And I was thinking like, are we all slaves? And Jesus actually began to actually talk about it the next verse after. And he talks about how uh, slavery has a lot to do with sin. Because if we're living in sin, then we're ultimately actually living in slavery. Anyway, that's actually not what I'm going to go into. But I want to just kind of throw it out there for you. One of the things that has been on my heart to actually share with you is I believe that a lot of society, a lot of our systems and how we learn things are, in fact, learning just to acquire knowledge. I find that at many times that we actually, you can, you can see this example in the education system. No bash against the education system. My dad was a teacher for 17 years in the public school system, and he's incredible and probably my favorite human of all time. Um, but uh, a lot of times that you know, you would teach, you have a lesson plan, and, and your kids are learning for the sake of just learning and passing a test. There's something, I used, when I used to go to school, um, there's something called the ratemyprofessors.com. Have you guys, any of you guys heard that? 
So what you would do is like you'd go on this website that had like essentially the largest database ever and it'd have a list of all the the professors in a certain school in a certain community college in a certain university and what it would do is actually tell you this person is this way they even had like a little chili emoji to like let you know that this person was hot so just in case if you wanted to take a choice of a class with a hot professor then you can choose that one it's unreal I'm telling you folks it's, it's funny anyway so this Redmond professors thing, I remember when I used to use it, and I used to kind of honestly choose, I'm going to be honest, time to be vulnerable, people. I used to choose uh, where, I went to sc- where I went to class or what classes I chose because of how easy the professors were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they had like an easiness rating. They had like a uh, how much homework rating and, and just basically how easy the class was. And obviously, me and the wisdom that I was raised in, I would always choose the one with the less amount of classwork in the easiest class to pass. You see, I wasn't like the most brightest person in school. I am not your textbook person who's reading all the time. It's just not the way I do things. I'm more tactile. But anyway, so this, this uh, RateMyProfessors.com, and some of the, the, the um, students who write down re- reviews, you have people who, um, who say, uh, say this and such, such and such professor hardly ever gives you any quizzes. The only thing you really got to study for this exam is this, this, and that. Or the only, like, he really only tests you in this, and the final exam has to do with this. So all you got to really pay attention to is this class and this class. Everything else, it's okay. And so for me, it's, like, it's funny because now I look back and I'm like, man, that was cheating or something. I felt like I was sinning or committing a crime or something of that nature. But uh, I actually found myself choosing classes because of that rating. And I find that a lot of times in, in, in society and in culture, we choose the easiest thing to do to get out of the season or to get out of the place that we're in at the time. And I find that not only is that evident in education, but that's also sometimes evident in our relationship with God sometimes. A lot of people sometimes come to church for the sake of like fulfilling the quote of one Sunday a month, like, you know, one Sunday a month or even like one time to be a Christian a week or, or whatever that looks like. And so I find I'm like, Lord, we have to begin to engage with you in a better way. We have to learn how to actually satisfy our soul, satisfy our hearts in a way that you actually uh, designed for us to be in. And so when I read uh, John chapter 8, I think, I break down that verse. And I feel like God is saying something specifically that I felt on Monday while I was like, hey, do you have a word? And I'm like, dude, I actually don't have anything. And that was yesterday. I was kidding. Um, but, but on Monday, I felt like God was dropping this on me. He was saying, listen, I want my people to engage with truth in the way that they become free. Um, and, and so John chapter 8 says this. Know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. The word know there is uh, the word yada and the word gonosko in Greek. The word yada is to engage with someone or engage with something. It's also very commonly used for, uh, for sex um, when you know your partner. So the same way uh, Genesis where it says Adam knew Eve, yada, and that was the word that was used, yada. And that was to engage with someone in such a way that you become one. And in that same verse, as, as uh, the, the Gospel of John depicts, it says, know the truth So engage with the truth to the level that you become one so that you might be set free. So one thing that I I was thinking about, I'm like, man, we need to begin to engage with truth. And what is truth? Truth is a person. And we're going to get to that part at the end of uh, this message. But truth, you can can actually take the, the the 31st verse and say, the teachings of Jesus... Uh, sorry, if, if you engage with my teachings, if you abide in my word, then you will become my disciples. And then you will know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Now, that truth is actually ultimately the, verse, the words of Jesus in our lives. And I find that there's many times, uh, you, you know, prophetic books or, sorry, uh, prophetic, um, my journals where I've given prophetic words, or I've just received words from God where I'm like, Ace, if you're going to do this, you're going to do such and such thing, it's going to be this. Or, or honestly, anytime when you're walking anywhere and the Lord speaks to you, The word of Jesus, the word of God actually carries in itself a seed to actually be planted in your heart. But it's actually our responsibility, I find, to actually germinate it and actually bring the perfect environment for that to grow. Does that make sense? And so 
The truth of God, when landed, a lot of times what we do, again, is just receive it to the degree that we're like, okay, well, this is fun, this is good. And we continue on in our day. And we continue on in our life, and it doesn't really make a huge effect. And what I'm proposing to you is that we must engage with truth, ultimately, so that it can actually bear fruit and bring freedom. I think the purpose of truth is to actually bring us into absolute freedom. Now, truth is anything that Jesus speaks, and I feel that there's words that are all over this place that God has actually spoken to you that uh, are actually those seeds that Jesus has planted in your life. Amen? One of the things that, um, that I felt like God wanted to unlock today is for us to... Um, Engage in a way that we become one with the word. Now, how do we do that? For example, I have, um, I have this, uh, th- this friend uh, who, this is about two or one, one or two years ago, who said something about me in public um, that kind of honestly offended me, to be straight up honest with you. I'm a, I, was, I was a pastor at the time, three years at, uh, in Los Angeles, and this person was in our um, in our team and actually began to talk about me behind my back. And I was like, oh, that's, that's unfortunate. And, and ultimately, um, your response would be like, man, I'm, I'm going to get pissed or anything, something like that. I'm going to be mad. Right. But honestly, this person was so close to me that I felt like, ow, that actually legitimately hurt. And, wow. and a lot of times, um, people who sometimes talk about you, they actually end up leaving the church or end up believing there's like, I can't deal with this. I can't deal with confrontation. I ended up confronting this person. Like, Hey man, you said this and that really hurt. And he's like, Oh man, like, uh, first they like, no, I didn't say anything of the sort. And I'm like, no, but actually I heard from this and this, you know, from multiple people that you were talking, that you were saying this. And that actually like legitimately hurt. I just want to get your opinion on and how I can maybe better serve you or how I can better like, you know, what I can do better for you. And, uh, this person actually ended up, you know, bawling, ended up crying and was like, I'm so sorry. It actually comes from this. I actually feel this way about you and, and I actually really love you. But for some reason I was doing this. And ultimately, um, initially what began as hurt and we began as pain and I wanted to push myself away, ultimately became a, a platform or a, um, an avenue for us to become closer. Right. Um, and so when I talk about engaging truth, Jesus constantly talks about how to forgive your brother. He talks about how to deal with envy. He talks about how to have the posture of your heart correct versus another brother. He talks about how to deal with um, uh, finances. He talks about how to, basically the teachings of Jesus are over and abundant in the word constantly. And so I find that there's several instances, there's several moments that we see truth throughout the Bible. I believe, obviously, I believe that the Bible is true all the way. You know, everything from the front of my screen to the back of the screen, that's all the truth. Um, but how we engage with the truths that Jesus laid out in his lifetime and in his ministry, I believe has a lot to do with ultimately the freedom that we are going to live in after uh, we engage with that truth. Does that make sense? Um, Man, uh, one of the things that I find um, incredibly beautiful about Jesus is that he lived in a way that was absolutely free. He lived in a way that um, so funny. Can I be honest with you guys for just a second? My notes um, have a certain thing, but I'm actually feeling in my heart. So I'm like, in my, I'm being vulnerable here. Is that okay? Can I be vulnerable with the first time I speak with you guys? The Lord is beginning to push me in a certain way that I'm like, okay, Jesus, but I, I, had, this, uh, I had this thing set out, but I'm not exactly sure you want me to continue going. So I'm like, this is me trying to pull this way, but I actually feel the presence of God pulling me this way. So allow me to reset. Is that okay? And allow me to get some water if that's all right. Can I grab some? Thanks, Nick. You know, being a speaker is quite interesting because, thanks so much, because you want to prepare, right? You want to be ready all the time. 
excuse me, and I'm sure Lyle knows all about this, but it's more significant to be sensitive to the, to the word of God than it actually is to actually maybe follow exactly your paradigm of what you're feeling like is doing. And ultimately, I think he's going to bring about the better result if you actually listen to what he's saying. Well, it's time, I guess it's time to turn off my iPad, huh? One of the most fascinating things I know about Jesus is the way that he lives his life. For me, he is the most attractive, the most enticing, embracing person that ever lived. The fact that Jesus came into a situation, came into a room, and number one, everyone knew everything about him. Or everyone, sorry, everyone wanted to know something about him. And the fact that he appealed to the, the, um, the societal elite he, he appealed to the tax collector. He appealed to the, pro, appealed to the prostitute. Everyone wanted to be around Jesus. Have you ever thought about that? Yeah. And to the point where Jesus came into a situation, he sat somewhere, or I'm not sure if he sat, but he might have stood, whatever. And the, and the kids wanted to come and hang out with him. Right. What kind of person is Jesus to the degree that someone wants to be with him, either if you're five years old or you're 35 and you're selling your body for money? How on earth is someone so appealing and so attractive to, 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 to an entire world? And that's honestly life under submission to the Holy Spirit. You know, it's, it's interesting, this, this idea of submitting yourself to the Holy Spirit and submitting and surrender, um, I find so interesting because I come from a background where we're always, and I just talked about this with a friend um, just a little bit ago, actually. In this idea that uh, I come from a background that says, hey, you know what, dream big. Hey, you know what, have, have a list of all these things that you want to do in your life and, and what God, write down your prophetics, like you, so the words that you've received prophetically, and this is all that you're going to accomplish. And so unfortunately, what that does is that creates a gap between where you are and where you want to be. And so you always find yourself within a long distance of where you want to be or where God says you're going to be versus where you are right now. And ultimately, you know what, I think that's a good thing that we can write all these things down, but I find that to abide in the place that you are, Jesus asks us to be present. He says, abide in me. And that doesn't think about being, you know, I took Strength Finders 2.0 and I'm a futurist. So I'm like, you know, I always think like 10 years in advance. And that is a good thing and that is also a bad thing. Because I find that Jesus, there was a verse, there's a verse in the Bible in the New Testament. Um, I don't know exactly the address and I'm sorry. Um, it says, for the, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. And I believe that Jesus had this idea, like where he's going to get to, but he didn't let what he was going to get to int, uh, interrupt. Sorry, um, in what's the word I'm looking for? Um, yeah, I guess distract is a better way. Yeah, distract himself from what he's going to accomplish today. I guess what I'm feeling in my heart is that we need to become present in what God is doing right now. There, there's something about what Jesus is doing right now that if we don't pay attention to it and we don't engage into it, we're going to miss what he's doing right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of us are walking through life and we're thinking like, man, I'm going to do this and I want to do that and, and, and this is what I'm going to accomplish there. And I'm going to be honest, I'm a victim of that too. But I find myself constantly thinking, I'm like, there has to be a better way to live life than constantly be thinking about the next thing. I feel like God is calling his people to actually, actually be dreamers, but not because they've listed things that they want to do, but actually because they remain and they abide in the center of God. And because they're standing in a right place, they're actually able to dream, for, uh, dream further out, but not in a way that distracts what's going on right now. One of the most beautiful things about Jesus is that he actually was interruptible. How many times in the word was he going somewhere and then all of a sudden someone's like, oh, Jesus, I need a miracle. And he's just like, he wasn't like, all right, fine, let's, you know, whatever. Like, go ahead. What is it? You know, like we constantly find Jesus in the Bible going somewhere, having a vision for where he's going, but being consistently interrupted in what he was going to do. And him giving his full attention to whatever he was in the moment and bringing the miracle, bringing the life and ultimately bringing transformation to whoever he stepped with.
There's something about having constant surrender before Jesus. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. I mean, folks, I hope you understand that I'm not trying to discredit plans. I'm not trying to discredit what you want to do in the future. But there is something about abiding in Jesus, abiding in the moment right now and allowing Jesus to speak to you in this very moment that is actually going to make perpetual effects and will actually allow you to live in a place where you want to be in the future. It's like a, actually like a step-by-step thing that we actually consistently have to live. One of my favorite you know, people ever, Bill Johnson, says, you have to walk as if you're having the dove, the representation of the Holy Spirit, as you're walking. And walk in a manner that the dove stays on your shoulder. I find that uh, worry, anxiety, all that other stuff comes as a result of thinking about the future and allowing yourself to be there before you're actually ready. have this, I, like, again, I, I, I already made myself clear and vulnerable, but I have this feeling in my chest to transmit to you, hey, listen, the future will come. Your plans and your ideas, they're all going to make sense, and it's all going to converge. I really do feel that Jesus is a better leader than we are followers. You're going to get there. Like, you're actually going to get there. It doesn't matter if you're 25. It doesn't matter if you're 75. I feel like God has something so purposeful, so individual, so unique for all of us that, listen, there is no need to be carried away with what's going to come in the future. I feel like God is calling his people to be right here, right now. I feel the, the, the draw of the Holy Spirit, like, listen, can, can you just put those things aside for a second? And it's not the things that are distracting you. And maybe things that are distracting you are things that are happening right now. And that's okay. But like the things in the future, just, just lay them down for just a second. And I want you to listen. And I want you to abide in with me right now. And how much you enjoy me in this moment is actually going to determine how much yield and how much fruit that you'll actually yield later date. I feel, don't let this moment pass by. I feel like this is a holy moment. Not necessarily because I'm saying it or because, you know, you know just this moment, this, because it's a Sunday. Or, no, I'm just saying, like, right now, the season that you're in, you're in a holy place. It's one of those, one of those holy places, like the, the Moses and the burning bush places. Like, take off, your, take off your sandals and just be with me for a second. When we allow ourselves to actually unwind or undress, for for, lack of a better term, before the Lord and say, hey, here I am. Notice at the moment that that Moses surrendered and maybe took off his sandals and maybe was there for a second, he was able to actually be commissioned for something that he was going to do and ultimately lead him to being the deliverer of Israel. Like there's something about, can we just wait for, the, for a second? And can we abide in what God is doing right now? Yes, yes. So good. Is that all right? Yeah. And maybe in some ways it ties back to what I was writing down, but because it's engaging with what God has spoken to us already in a way that brings fruit later. In John chapter 8, he actually talks about slavery, excuse me, slavery right after um, he talks about truth and knowing truth, truth shall set you free. And I believe he talks about slavery being sin, but I believe sin has a lot to do with unbelief. I think one of the greatest sins out there is not, you know, all the nasty ones that you can think of, but I think it's actually one of the greatest ones is unbelief. And ultimately, worry and anxiety is, places its trust in the wrong kingdom. And I think what it really is, is an unbelief in God's ability to do what he said he's going to do in your life. Worry and anxiety don't come from the Lord. There's something about engaging with what God has said 
to the degree that it brings you free from worry, fear, anxiety, depression, isolation, whatever it is. Know the truth. Engage, for lack of a better example, um, when you're with your wife, if you're married, I'm not married, so I wouldn't know all this, right? But I'm assuming this is correct. Shout me down if I'm not, Lyle. One of the, I have a girlfriend at the time, so I know kind of how this works, right? Just kidding. Um, not all that stuff. Jesus. Anyway, so when you, when you talk with someone, you engage with someone, you don't, like, there's no way that you cannot be present. There's times where I'm talking to my girlfriend, Kristen, and I'm talking with her, and she's like, you're not here. Um, like, what are you doing? Like where, like, where are you? You know what I'm saying? And so I constantly think, I'm like, okay, well, I have to constantly be engaged. And, and, and it's the most beautiful thing ever because I love being engaged. Yeah. Uh, pun included. <laughs> uh, um, but anyway, so this idea of, of, of engaging with them at the right, like right there, right where they're at. Yeah. Like I don't think a relationship would work if you don't engage with a person in front of you, right? And so in the same way, I ultimately find that if we engage with God in this relationship that ultimately brings us together as one, that we're, it, the fruit is going to be freedom. And what do you need freedom from? I think you need freedom from the idea of yourself 10 years down the road. You know what I'm saying? I think you need, like, and the anxiety and maybe the pressure that that puts on your life. I'm not saying, okay, listen, pressure is good. Pressure is phenomenal. I think it makes us better people. But to, there's a threshold where pressure is good and actually becomes unhealthy. And what happens is that it actually gives a streamline and a series of events that ultimately leads us to unbelief. Because if we have pressure with ourselves, we're like, oh, I'm not there yet. And we become unhappy with where we are. And ultimately, you begin to lose focus of what Jesus is doing in the moment. I think the enemy works specifically with believers to to, to um, entice them to believe in a future that they're actually not having right now, or maybe they're not on the way there, or they're not on the right track. And I think the enemy is, 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 is trying to change, essentially, the path of believers because they've forgotten where they're at, and they've forgotten where they stand, and now it's causing fear, doubt, frustration, anxiety, depression. He wants to get your focus out of what's happening right now. And opposed to what you would logically think, if I think of the future, it's going to happen. If I keep marching towards that school, it's going to happen. Yes, it actually might happen. But you're going to rid yourself of everything that God had for you in the journey to get there. You see, God really cares about the destination. He really is all about it. He loves it. However, higher on the priority scale is your soul. And unfortunately, your soul is actually made of a bunch of complicated things, which he only knows. Right. And that he is going to lead you in actually getting better at that, at that part of your life. Yeah. Who knows the soul besides the one who created it? Yeah. The soul is the most complicated thing, and it's the house of our emotions, and it's the house of our feelings. And we think like, oh, if I feel a certain way, this is actually what might be truth. Oh, man, I feel offended. Guess what? That probably isn't the truth that you should be living in. Oh my gosh, I feel anxious. Like, oh, I'm just anxious. No, you're not anxious. You feel anxious. You're actually really solid. You're actually doing really good. How many times in my, like, you know, just being a friend, how many times do I have to tell my friends, like, hey, you know what? You're actually doing better than you think you're doing. And sometimes that's even more powerful than, hey, boom, God's going to deliver you from this. And he's going to, like, 10 years down the road, he's going to have you in a platform with millions of people. Like, sure, I'll give that prophetic word and I'll do it anytime, anytime time God asked me, but more times than not, I find that the more profitable thing is telling my friends, telling people who I encounter, hey, listen, dude, you're doing much, much better than you think you're doing. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're doing so much better. So I guess my ultimate message for you is you're doing so much better than you think you're doing. If you abide in what Jesus is doing right now in your life, trust me, you're going to get to a place where you live in absolute freedom. You're going to get to a place where you're free from anxiety, you're free from fear, you're free from worry, you're free from anything. And I think Jesus was, this is what we're what was talking about here. We read that verse, no truth and a truth shall set you free. And we think, well, let's acquire more truth. Let's acquire more knowledge. There was, I'm not going to name the, 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 the name of the, the, the movie here, but uh, there was one of those like end times movies that used to come out back in the time, back in the day. Glad those don't come out anymore. Thank Jesus. But uh, um, 
they, they gave, you know, it was something about, you know, truth and truth shall set you free. And this person went and read the Bible like tens of times. And it was like, you know, it was all about acquiring knowledge. But ultimately, I think that Jesus was talking about, hey, if you listen to what I've been saying for the past couple of years as I've been alive, if you listen to that truth and engage with it in a way that it actually becomes part of you and it becomes one with you, you're actually going to live in the fruit that I actually came to bring. Jesus said in his inaugural address, I came to bring freedom to the captives. He came to bring freedom. Know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Truth is is principle. Truth is is, is precepts of what Jesus has said, but truth is also a person. And that's Jesus. Ultimately, if we engage with God, and I think that's the, the cusp of this whole thing, if we engage with God in the moment that we're at right now, I truly do believe, truly, the fruit that you will yield in your life emotionally, physically, spiritually, is going to go far above and beyond the goals that you've set for 2017 or 2016. Because God knows I've set goals for 2016. I've set them. Ask me how many of those I reached. Maybe three of the ten. Maybe. And ultimately, here's what happened with, with, with humanity. You look at your list and you're like, sometimes you're like, oh, if you can get yourself over the, the mental hump of saying, oh, it's okay, next year I'm going to get, you know, seven of the ten done. I'm going to get them. If you're a regular human, kind of like me, you kind of get depressed and you tell yourself, man, I'm not where I need to be. And I think that is the seed that ultimately leads to unbelief in Jesus. My charge this morning is to actually tell you to engage and to believe in what Jesus has told you and to believe in the person. That will ultimately lead you to freedom. And I know I'm not talking to just young people here. I see a lot of people like, yeah, like young people are like, yeah, totally. Listen, the people who are past the age of 30, 40, 50, 60, this goes for you too. Because you might not have a list of, you know, 10 goals in your, your, in your 25th years of life and things that you want to accomplish. But you might have a list of things that you look back in your entire life and say, man, I didn't accomplish that. So I'm talking to you too. In this room, there's maybe things in your heart and things that you wanted to do that you maybe haven't done and that you've been beating yourself up for. Listen, allow yourself to be right where Jesus wants you to be. Because that is, that is a sweet spot, ladies and gentlemen. That's the sweet spot. Jesus is so concerned with where you're at right now. Not concerned because it's causing him doubt and fear. He's very confident in where he's going to lead you, by the way. Yes, very. Yes, yes. Like, he's, he's not sweating. It's like, oh my gosh, this person, you know, chose to do this with their life. And now it's all over. How can I fix this? Like, <laughs> like I'm sorry. Like, Jesus actually, he is the most uh, confident person there is. And I found in my walk with God that I had to constantly tell myself, okay, Asaph, maybe you're not the best follower, but I like he is the best leader ever. Yes. He's the best. He's the absolute best. Whatever you have, whatever you've accomplished in your life in 2016, in this last week, it doesn't matter. Bring that to the table and say, Jesus, I've done this. And you're going to watch as he shifts your attention from what you're going to do in the future to what you're doing right now and says, hey, listen, I'm proud of you right now. And I'm with you in this very moment. Does this identify with anybody? Is this making sense to you? Why don't we go ahead and stand for a second? Not sure if that was 35 minutes, but... um,
I'm not going to apologize for um, taking you somewhere else earlier on in the message because I just feel like that's, you already forgave me. It's all good. But I really do feel like God wanted to remind you this morning. Really give you a sense for where you're at. Future is gonna come. It's you're you're gonna get there. You're you're gonna get there. Where you wanna be is where God wants to lead you. Trust, it's gonna be awesome. Maybe with a little extra things on the side as well. Aces, but what about like I have to get to where I need to be because I have, you know, all these prophetic words or all these things that I want to accomplish in my life. Then if I don't focus on them, then how on earth am I gonna get there? Folks, got a word for you. Jesus is a better leader than we are followers. And if you actually, against logic, if you actually submit that part of your life and put that away for a second and actually allow yourself to focus on his fiery eyes of compassion and love for you, trust me, you're going to get there. And I'm not telling you, listen, come to church more often. I'm not telling you, hey, listen, you need to, you know, start listening to, read your Bible more. Those are all great things. Pray more. Awesome. Great things. I'm telling you, hey, engage with truth. Engage with a person who actually has a very clear view of what your life is going to look like. Some of you here are like, I don't even know what I want to do. I'm still trying to figure all that out. I'm still trying to find out my niche. I'm still trying to figure out all this good stuff. What if you were to give yourself over to the attention right now of the person who has your life clearly set up before him? It can do a great deal about steering you in the right way. Surrender, 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 surrender. It goes against logic. Does it make sense? Listen, for me, Jesus introduced an upside-down kingdom. He introduced a way to like to do things that are so unorthodox. Jesus, you came to bring a revolution to the entire planet. What you did is died publicly? Like, what the heck? You came for the brokenhearted, and you came to, to rescue the church, and you didn't even hang out at church that often? You came to transform the world, and then you chose 12 teenagers and one liar? Jesus constantly, constantly revolutionized the way to do things. Constantly. Things that don't even make sense. Like, how how is the king of the earth, king of the world, king of all things, surrendering 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 himself to achieve what he wanted to achieve? It's the most unorthodox way. And so I challenge you to maybe see the beauty in this and the silver lining and how God actually does things. Submitting what I, what I want to do in my future to follow him and what he's doing right now, that makes no sense. Well, let me tell you, it's exactly, exactly how Jesus would run things. There is no person that puts things away that's not going to get it back seven times that much. You want to talk about like doing things radically, doing things like in a way that, you know, surprises the planet? Guaranteed. If you put that before the feet of Jesus, we haven't even seen the yield that will come as of, of that. Amen. Put your hand over your heart. I'm going to pray for you. Jesus, repeat with me, actually. Help us to surrender. Our dreams, our ideas of what we want to accomplish and who we want to be. In exchange, give us the beauty of living in this moment. 
and abiding in you. Give us rest. Give us peace. Give us hope. Son's beautiful name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Awesome. Awesome. Let's give Asif a round of applause. Asif, thank you so much. How many of you guys enjoyed that message this morning? That was amazing. I wasn't lying when I said that Asaph's not only a nice guy, but he loves Jesus and he loves encouraging and leading people to the truth of Jesus. So I'm not so naive to think this morning that there might be somebody or a few people in here that have not yet met the true person of Jesus. And so with every eye closed this morning, every head bowed, I want to give an opportunity for to meet Jesus. So if that's you, if you've not yet said yes to the truth of the person of Jesus, would you just raise your hand? Just be so brave to raise your hand. Jesus. Jesus, we thank you. We worship you. We adore you. You are the truth. You are everything. And today we commit again to live in the present reality of your goodness. And if everybody agrees with me, just say amen. Amen.